0: Gatsy and welcome back to City I Sit Town, World Football Indexes podcast for your culture to go. I'm Frank Crivello. He's Richard Carmen. Ciao, Richard. Ciao, Frank. Welcome back. We're back. Yeah, welcome back. You even shaved for the occasion. At least, I, I mean, I don't even recognize you. You don't have hair all over your face. What happened, man? I don't know my lose did-, did you lose a bet?
1: Sort of, sort of. My fun. My son son was like, you know what? The beer's got to go. If you're gonna kiss me, you gotta get it off. Oh,
0: okay. (laughs) All right, all right. So that kind of thing. So, well, I guess you can't. I guess you can't blame him. So, so it's uh, you know, and you want to make your son. You want to make your son happy, and and that sort of thing. You don't want to feel the rejection of uh, your son's three now, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, three and a half. Okay. Oh, boy, what a, uh, you know, man, I just, I feel like it's been like ages since we've done one of these. It's kind of, you know, just trying to get back in the saddle. We're starting late. Yeah, (laughs) of course. Just uh, just goes to show you, we just, you know, I think we needed to kind of get the machine warmed up a little bit. That's right. uh, So to speak. So, um, so how was your, uh, how was your time off aside from the, uh, you know, the Italy disappointment, uh, getting caught up on some things uh, on the home front?
1: Yeah, it's been pretty busy at home. Uh, things have been good because I stayed off of social media after the Italy choke job, so uh, I didn't get to hear all the negativity. So I was, I was, I've been pretty good. Otherwise, you know, work, uh, home life is a little crazy right now, trying to look for a house and all. But uh, yeah, otherwise, mostly pretty good, healthy. So
0: I can't complain. How about you? I'm um, yeah, fine. I mean, uh, you know, just getting uh, kind of transitioning some seasons. Uh, uh, my my son had uh, futsal that finished. He had a couple of outdoor games on Sunday, so that started up again. My daughter will start soccer in a couple of weeks. They're both going to be in baseball, so um, she's finishing up basketball. So, you know, two kids that are doing a lot of sports. So, you know, so it's – if I'm able to sneak in any kind of city, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful to have carved out the two hours I got to watch Juve and Inter on Sunday, or maybe I'm not thankful – for that just two hour shit show of a advert of Italian football um you know which we'll talk about here a little bit later but it's it's what it is i got to watch some calcio so um you know uh but uh other than that yeah things are things are going pretty good so good. um you know could be worse let's just let's just put it that way so uh we have a pack Packed show, seventy five percent capacity. Uh, we will break down the. I'm not letting him live that down. Uh, we will have the Derby d'Italia. Um, we will uh, break that down and the the lack of football that went on in that game. Uh, Atalanta Napoli, a a statement from Napoli in Bergamo, uh, or is or is it Atalanta doing Atalanta things at home this season? Um, you know. I don't know if we got any questions answered, but we'll talk about that game. Uh, we will break down everything else that happened on Match Week 31. We'll wrap it up with the world's most popular hashtag game: Who won Calcio Twitter? But before we get into all of that, Richard, we haven't really offered our take on Italy failing to make the World no, Cup. We haven't for a second straight time. I see you have got the uh, the heavy stuff out for this conversation. Yeah. I, I just I I upped my alcohol percentage in my my beer. I'm drinking uh, juice packets. The good people of the Fermentorium uh, in Cedarburg, Wisconsin. Uh, this is a okay. wonderful uh, citrusy IPA, um, about seven percent alcohol, so not okay. too bad. I'll uh, I'll try to ship you some. So cool. Along with the uh, all, all along with some refills of Spotted Cow, uh, next chance I get. So. Um, hopefully you're at the same address when I ship it. So, um, to be determined. <laughs> to be determined. Yep. So, but we all know uh, World Cup took place on Friday. I maybe Italy fans watched uh, and were depressed because you know the balls were being opened up and the, Italy was not among the 32 teams you know, to be drawn into a group for the World Cup, or I should say among the 34, 36 teams or something crazy like that because there's still some playoff that still need to be sorted out. But they go out to North Macedonia, Richard, um, despite having 32 shots, uh, but they're beaten in stoppage time. Uh, if you go to my Twitter page, and I think sit down retweet retweeted it, our uh our uh our IT director, which is Richard, um <laughs> uh retweeted it, but I broke down the goal that got conceded. I mean, I school schoolboy defending really every step of the way. Um yeah. just and and it's it's shocking this that we're saying that about Italy. Uh but nonetheless they're out. Um You know, here, here's how I'm gonna start by talking about that particular game, Richard All right. football happens like that sometimes. Okay. And it just really, really sucks that it happened in a game that Italy had to win. I mean, I played, um, varsity when I, the, the, the high school I played for here, my junior year, we made the state championship, um, and the opponent we played we dominated we outshot 20 to 2 nil nil regulation nil nil overtime they beat us on penalties so um and that's what football does too i think milan fans are are also feeling the effects after yesterday you know sometimes that happens okay it's just a shame it happened in a very very important moment for the atsori
1: yeah it's um it's crazy i mean like you see the two teams that try to qualify for the world cup this one and the one four years ago and then you see the team that won the european championships and you're like which is the anomaly Mm. right and i don't know if any of them are the anomalies right i think italy are this bad they obviously didn't qualify for the world cup four years ago they had a chip on their shoulder they want to show the world they weren't as bad as they were and so they because of that chip they played above expectations um to win the cha- to win the European championships and then let that get to their head or whatever or didn't have their eyes on the prize didn't play with that chip anymore felt that they were favorites and didn't concentrate as much and did not perform as well and now obviously you can say that they had that long winning streak up until they lost to who Spain or whatever right um but I think that loss just ruined them they're already they're already showing signs that they still despite the win, they still couldn't, they had trouble scoring, right? And when mm-hmm. you're in, a, in your big competition, you're playing great defense and it covers some of this stuff up. Don Aroma was playing great. The team was playing great. Uh, but when everyone's not on top of their game and you, the goals still are not coming in, even against weaker opponents, the confidence goes down. Uh, and what we saw, I think all three were true true faces of, of the Azuri. Uh, this team isn't good enough. The manager is, but they, we, we couldn't figure it out. The whole, organization could not fit, fit uh, figure this out and they need some soul searching to do. We had some soul searching to do four years ago, uh, kind of found it, but I think a reset is needed for majority of this team, honestly. In my opinion, the midf- other than the midfield, I don't know who else should be uh, comfortable in the positions with the Azzurri.
0: And, and your takes, I think, are common with much of Calcio Twitter. My takes are a little different. I'm glad you brought up the word anomaly. Um, I think this failure is much closer to an anomaly than 2018 was. Okay. Um, 2018 was tactical ineptitude at its absolute ugliest by a manager that was in over his head, didn't know how to manage the talent that he had and put him in position uh, where Italy could be successful and reach a World Cup because that on talent should have been one of Europe's best teams going to Russia and going into the World Cup. Okay. I think this is an anomaly. All right. Uh, I think that Mancini had two choices for North Macedonian for these playoffs. Okay. Um, he could go with the trusted core of guys that won him the euros or he could make a selection from players that were a little more informed and by that we're talking about raspadori skamaka you know in the attack you know we're talking about some different guys in defense i think you know um so he was in a damned if you do damned if you don't situation because if he goes with the form guys and they lose what are the Azzurri fans going to say? Why didn't you play the guys that got you there? But if you, now he's playing the guys that got you there and said, why didn't Raspidori play? You know, so a, a no-win situation for Mancini if he failed. Um, so why I think this is closer to an anomaly. He went with his tried and trusted Euro 2020 guys. And when you think about it, considering what COVID did to all of the fixture pile-ups for club and country across the board. If you go deeper into these international tournaments, you're playing a hell of a lot more. And the core of this Italy team, these players were playing every three days for nine months, maybe longer, okay? I mean, the obvious guy you can point at is Nicolo Barella. He's not even close to what he was at this time last year. Um, he looks battered. He looks exhausted. He looks like a guy that just needs to get away from football for two months and regroup and come back fresh, you know, but can't because he's in the on a team that's in the middle of a Scudetto push. So Lorenzo Insigne, I think it's all taken a lot out of him. The combination of Euros, Napoli, you know, Europa League, he played a lot in that. Um you know, playing multiple games and now being part of a Scudetto push. Jorginho, I think you can make the same argument about him, the high level of intensity that he's forced to play in, playing for Chelsea, playing in that Premier League. You know, you've seen Chirri Moble start to dip in particular more important games. Um, you know, so these are core guys that it's just haven't done. And and, and then obviously the, the, the big one that everyone's talking about, Gianluigi Donnarumma. Okay, he was a big talent at one point, but we need to not dance around the fact that he has become average. And there's a couple of culprits here with Donnarumma. One, the money and listening to the wrong people. I think it's affected him, okay? Two, he is sharing a job with Kaylor Navas at the club. He's not the man there, okay? And I think it speaks loudly that if you're not Getting the game reps as a goalkeeper, it will affect your performance. So, um, but when you look around, what's the alternative? Could you trust Alessio Craño? You know, no. could you trust the other guys that probably would have been contention to take that position? No, 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 you couldn't. You had to go with Donnarumma.
1: And I think so- Donnarumma got unfair. Uh, treatment after that game because I don't think that goal was entirely his fault. It's more about the people in front of him than him giving up that goal because he was blocked by three four guys on that shot. It's not an easy shot to block. Yes, it's from distance, but...
0: I think we're splitting hairs with Donnarumma's positioning. Yes, he could have maybe gone started one step to his right, but that is that is really nitpicking. It is the yeah. defending in front of him. It is yes. Chiellini. Yes. Chiellini's failure to confront the ball in choosing to man mark a guy that if he leaves him, he leaves him in an offside position. Correct. Jorginho's positioning Watching. on the initial aerial battle, he's way too close to it. You know, truthfully, when you want you want containment and you want guys on angles behind that initial initial aerial battle, Jorginho's way too close. Hindsight's being hindsight might be 2020, and it might be very, very easy for say, but it's fact. If he is in his his support position, should be exactly where that ball landed. Exactly where that ball landed, but he's out of there, too close to the. was Bastoni, I think, with with, with whoever he duelled with. I it, and then, like I said in the video, it's not the that first ball. Okay, fine. If they get it first, fine. It's the second ball. Win the second yeah. ball, and Jorginho got out of position, and. Chiellini and and the fullback i don't know if that was still forenzi at that point were yeah. too far away to be able to to be able to step in and, and win it so and allowing just
1: that, him to shoot and allowing him
0: to shoot like no don't allow him yeah. to shoot and that's and that's that's what ended up happening you know the trakovskis and the closest to the ball can get to it yep. Chiellini keeps dropping and dropping and dropping and what are you taught as an attacker if they're not going to confront you shoot it and that's what Tchaikovsky did. And you have to give him credit for that. You have to give him a ton of credit for that. Yeah. But that's on Chiellini. It's on Jorginho. I think that those two are probably the, the biggest culprits in that goal getting conceded. I don't put as much blame on Donnarumma as as as, as, other, as others do. I agree. But come back to my point. This is a spent core of players. Yeah. Um. And... Quite frankly, even if they did win against North Macedonia, I don't think they would have won at Portugal. Agreed. Okay, for that reason. We would have liked to have had the opportunity to see if they could have, but it didn't happen. So um, so I'm kind of, as, 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 as much as it sucks for Italy not to be in the World Cup, I'm kind of writing this one off. I actually am, when it happened... I'm not as disappointed as 2018. Sure. Um, you know, and I'm looking at it as this: there, there there's needs to be a little bit of a regroup. There needs to be a little bit of a reset. A lot of these guys need a break. Okay. Yeah, professionally, they still had a job to do, and a lot of people are probably going to argue with me to that point, and that's fine if you want to. I won't fight you. But I'm looking at it from the physical elements of – and 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 just what it does to you, playing in competitive matches every three days for such a long long period of time with almost no break. I mean, so of the, the core players,
1: the ones who started, are you going to give them all a chance again to keep playing again, or
0: do you want to see some change? Or what are your thoughts on the starting eleven? I think the front three needs to be redone. Um, I actually thought Berardi was fine. He had that horrible miss, yeah. You know, in the first half. Um, but I actually thought he was good. Um I think obviously Chiesa makes a huge difference. Yes. Um when he's in the team. Zola, but I think Zola. it's yeah. I think it's time for Raspadori, I think it's time for Skamaka, I think it's time for some of these other strikers who, you know, have a lot of reps in a four three three setup and are gonna be hungry for goals, you know, to 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 step in and get it done. You know. So any smash tables yet. No, I I you know, I know I, I, I I've gotten over smashing tables. Um, yeah. I think the last last table I smashed was in 2005. So, um, you know, I'm older now, and I I, I guess I don't want me drink. Don't now. Say, we drink. Well, yeah, we drink to try to forget about it. But I also <laughs> have kind of gotten to a point where I don't want my don't want my kids to see me behaving like that. Yeah. So yeah. Um. But anyway, so I. I just feel like this is much much more of an anomaly and I will be willing to make the argument that Italy despite not being in this World Cup is still in a really really good place oh, yeah. in the global landscape in football. Okay, yeah. the, the national team is still really really good. Darn, they're not in this World Cup. Okay. Um would we like to watch them in this World Cup? Yes. Now, if they don't make 2026, then we might have a chronic problem here. Okay. Um, but I'm looking at, you know, 2018 you chalk it up to tactical ineptitude. You're really, really disappointed in how the Italy was managed overall in the build-up to that. But in this case, I think you have a lot of things here that made it really hard for the Italy. But then all at the same time, they made their they kind of dug their own grave. You yep. know, Jorginho missing the penalty against Switzerland, uh, failing to score against Northern Ireland. Yep. Um, you know, you you've got all of these little things that they go a little bit different and we're not even having this conversation. We're talking about the group they're in and what their chances are. Right. So um, it's just, it was, it was those fine lines, but I mean, when you're, when you're, when you're, when you're considered the best team, not in the world cup, that says something. Yeah. So I am, um, I'm ready to move
1: on from Belotti and Immobile at, at the striker position. I think they I had opportunities. You, like you said, give Skamaka a try, give somebody else a try. No Balotelli. I don't need to see him again. He's yeah. much the same. Um, so give some of these guys like Skomark and some of these guys a try. Midfield, I, I'm still confident in the midfield, but obviously Locatelli and Tonali are start making waves, and, and and some other guys as well. Um, don't forget about uh, Pellegrini as well. So there's some guys in the midfield there. I think the midfield's fine. The defense need to kind of focus on building around Bastoni and and Mancini, in my opinion. I mean, until another person emerges from the Italian defense, you kind of have to go with those two. Yeah. Get rid of Florenzi as well and maybe put Calabria there on the right and find somebody else on the left other than
0: Emerson. Um, it's been a total well, I think it two. was also, I mean, I, I, I mean Di Lorenzo. but I mean, it wasn't, as it pertained to North Macedonia, it wasn't that big of a blow. I no. think the blow would have been no. felt against Portugal if they qualified. Correct.
1: So. And, and as, a, as a whole, overall, they need to change this. I mean, obviously, Chiesa is going to be the Chiesa and Zaniolo. you want to build a team around offensively. Um, right. So, really, if you find, put Skamaka next to those two. That might actually really work really well. We'll have time now to see an experiment. Um, I don't really care about this game coming up against uh, Argentina for the uh, the big title, South America versus Europe anymore because at this point it doesn't matter. Um, so it's being a glorified friendly at this point. So yeah, it's, they got some work to do, but there's pieces there, like you said, lots of talent still, still got a quality goalkeeper, still got some quality young players. It's not doom and gloom. Yes, it's a horrible to not make second World Cup, but. Like you said, it's not chronic unless we do it one more time in four years. I
0: I I have a different take on that too. I I, right. I want us. I want an investment in that game um, because I want because I think that that'll give us the team. I, yes, me I mean, no. It it, <laughs> it will validate what I'm saying that okay, failure to qualify was an anomaly. We're still in a good spot here. Okay. Um, I want to reinforce what we talked about because we did a we did a podcast on Italy failing to make the World Cup four years ago. I remember doing that. And I'm going to reinforce what I said right. four years ago, because I read Carlo Garganese's thread about the lack of youth players getting opportunities to play for Serie A clubs and, you know, how you see them, you know, they're getting loaned out to Serie B and Serie C teams. But and I'm going to say the same thing again. And I said it on, I kind of said it on Twitter a little bit too. Uh, leave the Serie A clubs out of this it's not their job to develop a national team okay it's their job to make it's it's their job to generate revenue and and generate revenue in a fashion that best suits them look at england okay look at premier yeah. league yeah you know it's not their job i mean england happens to be really really good because those players are professional players they're 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 in their prime and they're playing with the best players in the world okay Um, you know, Italian clubs, especially the bottom half, they're trying to find whatever they can that they can put together so that they can stay up because that is the best revenue stream for them is to remain in Serie A. So it's really, really hard for me to put any responsibility on Serie A clubs uh, to build a national team. Okay, Uh, The national team is something that is an infrastructure that the You know, coaches are IDing the young players and they're playing with the youth national teams. They're getting professional experience to some degree. Certainly the youth, the young Italian players are not getting the opportunities that young English players are getting. Young Belgian players are getting. Young French players are getting. And that's something that we we need to figure out how to make happen. But you can't make the Serie A teams completely culpable here. OK, that's not their job to, right. to make Italy a world power. And it's their job to generate it's their job to generate revenue. What's my solution to the issue? <sighs> um, because I've heard this argument and that's a great question, Otto. I mean, like I said, I I think there's a core of talented players here already that are that are professional, that are in their prime. And I think that our youth teams are decent enough. Um, Short of getting them, I mean, rather than loaning them to a city B or city C teams, you know, can we loan them to top Belgian league teams? Can we loan them to top Eredivisie teams? Yeah. You know, can we find a way to loan them to, loan Ligue a couple on. of them out to the top? Yeah, Ligue on maybe, okay. Can we sneak them in there? Or is it just too tough to do business with those nations, so I mean th- these are these are these are these are conversations that this isn't a this isn't a stream that I know ne- I, I the stream I swim in is what's going on on the pitch okay maybe they can rely um, on uh, Toronto to build some younger Italian players <laughs> <laughs> you know I mean. I mean, and I think that these Serie A clubs that have these young, young Italian talents and and need to loan them out and get them game experience and so on and so forth, if there's not a place for them in their first team in Serie A, can they get them into a top flight league elsewhere? Is that a better solution than putting them into a Serie B team or a Serie C team? Or do they put them into Serie B and Serie C out of convenience because it's much easier to scout and track their progress? You know, I mean, these are all critical questions that have to be answered. I I wish I had the answers to all of them, uh, Adriano. Um, but my, I, you know, if I was an owner and maybe had a passion for the Azzurri at the same time and was having that in mind, um, I would call, you know, Genk in Belgium or Club Bruges or, you know, maybe not Ajax, but call some of these other, like Eindhoven or somebody like that. And say, hey, I got got a kid I want to loan to you that I think will help you and needs game experience. I just don't have room for them. So, um, but I think that would be my gut answer is the SETI B and SETI C teams get the young players on loan because it's much, much easier for the parent clubs to track their progress that way.
1: And then the other end of the spectrum, you, we could be like Barcelona, Espanol, Bilbao, where, you focus only on your your nationality players, if you will, and only bring in a certain amount of, of foreign players. Like Bilbao, they only sign, you know, players from the Basque region. You know, yeah. Barcelona and Espanol, they, they, all, they basically grow their own players, but that also yeah. hurts you too. Um, and they have it's a different thing there. You know, we're looking at a whole country here, so you can't do that with the whole league. So it's a lot of things. Like Adriana said, it's a lot of things, that, a lot of factors into this. Um, I guess the last thing before we move on from this um, – Roberto Mancini you you still in with him you you definitely I
0: agree definitely no I, agree. I i he no this this was not on him
1: the product has been so much better under him compared to
0: Ventura yeah. he has to stay for at least another um 4 years at least this is a spent team yeah and i think you're starting to see it in the key city on matches too that these guys play for yeah these for games the are getting example. these games are getting tighter they're becoming more of a grind um Napoli obviously did the business on Atalanta which we'll talk about but you know I think you're kind of seeing that in some of these games too you know I think that that's also coupled with the fact that the top teams right now yeah they're trying to win but they're also trying to avoid dropping points wherever they can so I mean it's it's you can see there's some delicate stuff going on with Milan Inter and then even Napoli to an extent. I mean Napoli were able to take advantage from of some deficiencies that Atalanta had, but um you know, I you know I think a lot of these guys just need a break, <laughs> you know. Uh so hope and hopefully they'll get one with the season. Well, they'll
1: get over. one in the winter for uh, during Qatar. <laughs>
0: yeah, they will. Oh, sort of sort of. Yeah. Yeah, I mean they'll probably still have to train with their clubs and such, and they might do friendlies and sorry, Qatar. Sorry,
1: cutter, not Qatar.
0: Forty is it Qatar or Qatar? Because I'm just yeah, it just not needs. Italy. To, I mean, it just needs to start and finish quickly. Yeah. I mean, but at the same time, I think the Serie A players that are going to the World Cup are going to perform very well. Okay, you know, you got, you know. The, the Serbians, Vlaovic and Milinkovic Savic. Um, you know, we got Swiss players playing. Uh, you know, so there's still if you're a off fan, there's still plenty to I mean, if even if Italy's not there, there's still plenty to like about this World Cup. We have good international players that are going to be playing for their countries and, and 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 watch them and enjoy them and enjoy their progress. So um but that's it. I yeah Mancini and but back to Mancini. Yeah he I I think it would have been an atrocity if, if, if the FIGC fired him, and I'm yeah. glad they didn't, I'm glad they're sticking with them. Um, there's a project in place. It's proven that it worked. The squad needs a little bit of freshening up and that's on Mancini to figure out. And I think he's going to have to make some tough decisions with some guys that he's trusted for a long time, but you know, that's why you get paid to be in the position that you're in. And I think we're kind of on the same wavelength of who those players are. Yeah. So. So that's our that's our uh, putting a bow on Italy. You know, I think we're still in good shape, and I think we you know, and we have a competitive league, and we have a lot of talent. A lot of goals are getting scored. You know, and I think the next phase now is getting these teams to find a way to compete in the Champions League and 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 get deeper into the Champions League. Um, you know, as it pertains to that it's going to take some creativity in their squad building because the funds and the resources aren't at their disposal compared to the Premier League teams, compared to Bayern, Barcelona, Real Madrid, and PSG. Yep. But we've seen it before. You can get creative and you can find a way to build a team and get on a run. So, um, you know, and that's – I think that that's the next phase that Italian football – I think that that right now is a bigger priority than any – anything that the Azzurri really needs to fix. I don't think there's really a big fix for the Azzurri. I think it's just kind of a, okay.
1: Moving on from it, players.
0: Regroup. Move on from players. Regroup a little bit. Freshen it up and off we go. Yep. So Agreed. Okay. All right. Let's actually get into the Serie A sit-down, not Azzurri sit-down. So yeah. Uh, so we should probably talk about it and we can lead it off, Richard, with Darby D'Italia.
1: Derby d'Italia, yes. Juventus hosting Inter in this one. The referee, for everyone who wants to know, because everyone wants to know, is Massimiliano Irratti. Uh Big game, honestly. It's a Scudetto six-pointer, if you will. I mean, Juve gets a win and they're in the in the in the hunt discussion more than likely. Uh, Inter, they get a win and they make it, they stay with the top two teams in the league. Um, yeah, starting with the host. Juventus. Chesney in goal with the uh, back four of Danilo Delict, Kilenin, Alexandro. Midfield of Locatelli, at Tele Rabion Quadrado, which is nice to see up on the right hand side there. And then Debala, Morata, and Vlahovic leading the way. Pretty standard lineup, pretty strong lineup, Frank. Um, I don't know if I mean other than Rabio, I'd probably say this is a pretty, fairly strong lineup. Thoughts on Juve's uh, starting eleven?
0: Aggressive by Allegri standards. I don't know if yeah. maybe he stumbled on some quaaludes or something <laughs> that that he put this out there, but um. Yeah, when I saw this, as a man, Juve's going for it. I mean, to the point where I was like, I like this. I, th- I like this lineup. I think they can get at Inter a little bit here with it, and they can win 2-1. I mean, I, you know, it's a lineup that suggests that they throw a little caution to the wind because I thought they might come out with more of a three-man midfield to protect the back four and just, you know, maybe cut off passing into Jacko, passing into Lautaro Martinez, but they didn't do that. Yeah. Um you know, they came out with this, and they wanted to take the game to Inter. So I I, I applaud uh, Allegri for having some courage here to put out a lineup like this.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, statistics show this kind of format, this lineup kind of worked in some regards, but we'll get to that later. Uh, looking at the visitors, Handanovic in goal with Ambrosio, Skriniar, Bastoni in the back with Dumfries, uh, and... Parasich on the wings, you had Barella, Brozovic, and Chalinolo in the middle middle, excuse me, with Ezenjeco and Lautaro Martinez up top. Pretty standard lineup for, for Inter. Obviously, Brozovic is going to be a guy who turns up in these big games, but um overall, fairly standard lineup. I mean, D'Ambrosio is probably the one guy you're gonna look at, but you know, sometimes out of necessity, you have to bring in guys, and D'Ambrosio is not the worst guy to bring on uh for Inter.
0: I mean, it tells you right away that Skrinyar's man marking Vlaovic um Kielini's man marking jacco um so you got that but i think you know yeah it's the standard inter lineup but i think it's an environment that would suit them because this lineup is particularly effective on the counter and if uve setting up to be ball dominant which is what their lineup suggests then this is a it's the standard inter lineup but it's the perfect inter lineup to counter what Juve is going to have coming at them so yeah. um so, for me uh yeah I mean you, you you don't get don't get cute, you don't try to take your chances with a V doll or somebody that does the tackling you you invite Juve to make the mistake and you try to hit him and I mean and I think that you know it was apparent to me that that's the way it looked, I mean particularly i mean it, or that's the way it it appeared to look on paper. We get into it, and it seemed like well, we'll talk about the game i'll let you I'll let you go on.
1: Yeah, the uh, the game would start um, an interesting game. Obviously, this game, like you said, it's Inter's lined up so that they can counter. You know, the the ball possession of of Juventus. Uh, but the one thing you know I wanted to pay attention to this game is Ivan Perisic versus Juan Cuadrado. Um, you know, yeah. the counterattack suits Perisic's style. However, Cuadrado seems to be the kryptonite to him and. For those, I don't know how many past many games, he's always had his number for some reason. Paris has continued to struggle against Quadrado. Uh, and so in this game, we would see much more of the same. But uh, yeah, the he game gets, he gets ahead. pinned.
0: I mean, he gets pinned yeah. by Cuadrado yeah. I mean, for whatever yeah. reason, you know, and I think that that's the impact that having a, a quality right sided midfielder does to enter. Yeah. You know, you, you, you all of a sudden limit Perisic. Because I mean, and let's just face it, Perisic is not really a wing back. He's more of a winger. He's more of a left sided forward. You know, so in this system, he's making a sacrifice and he's playing in that wing back role. Yep. Sorry to interrupt. Oh <laughs> but, yeah, please. But yeah, I mean, it's just like it's you. If you got a quality player on that side, you're you're likely to to keep Perisic pinned back and and keep him from being dangerous.
1: Yeah, he would shut him down defensively, and then also on the offensive end, he would he he created a lot of chances. Um, going forward, uh, Cuadrado did. Uh, but yeah, you know, this game was very much like you said, lined up to have Juventus control the ball. They had a, quite a bit of chances, uh, couldn't put the ball away, couldn't put the goal, uh, get a goal in their past. Um, Handanovic, you know, it just looked like Inter was kind of sitting back there, kind of waiting things out, uh, letting wave after wave of attack from Juve come in. The chances weren't particularly great in this one. Um, Handanovic didn't have to make too many great saves, but it seemed like it was one-way traffic for the most part. It wasn't anything, you know, like like Anthony said, it was very scrappy in this game. Um, and it, it much of the first half was this way, Frank. It was very, I mean, it, it, yes, it's a derby. A lot's on the line, but it seemed like neither team was really wanting to take too many chances. Um, Juventus obviously had a an aggressive lineup in this one, but really nothing seemed like to happen. It looked like we're going to go to halftime 0-0. Zero, zero. All of a sudden uh, – Inter gets a good bit of pressure in the box just before halftime. You see Dumfries go down. a players screaming dive. Inter players screaming penalty. What was it? You look at the replay. Good call by the referee. It was a penalty. Not only did Marata step on Dumfries. He had Alexandro kicking um, Dumfries as well. So it was kind of like double there. And they got a penalty. I'm like, okay, I'm watching this. I'm like, here we go. Chesney, who's already had, I think, three saves, penalty saves this year, maybe four saves and penalties, one against Milan. Um... Going against Hakan Cholinolu. Uh Hakan steps up, saved by Chesney, gets cleared away, goes in the goal. Referee builds whistle, say, no, no, no goal, no goal. And I'll I'm, I'm walk away laughing, like Hakan did it again, choking in the big, big moment. Uh, walk away, come back to the screen. Hakan scores a goal in a penalty. I'm yeah. like, well, what's going on here? And it went to VAR. Mr. Delict decided to jump the gun before the kick would happen hence a reset had to happen and then when the reset happened Hakan put away his chance and very crazy time there frank i mean what else did i miss i mean obviously the ball went in the goal there was claims that maybe there was a foul against maybe delict or some of the players or maybe you've uh interplayer foul that juventus guys before the
0: goal what chaos was that interesting because the bungled in goal there was no foul that took place there Right. Um the, the Juventus players collided with each other. Yeah. Um you know when I would, uh, live and I live tweeted, you know, and I wasn't paying a whole lot of attention to what was going on, and I didn't realize that they were calling Deliked as the guy that encroached, I thought that they were catching tech for um moving Trump before Chalanoo's shot. Yeah. Um so that's what I that's where I thought the encroachment was coming from because I was sitting here like, well, one tech didn't encroach. Correct. Two, uh, which I was right, it was deleted, which is fine. Okay. Two, there was no foul that led to that that goal that went in. Yep. So, all right, well, they they discovered that deleted encroached and they're gonna retake the penalty. So Chalonolo scores the penalty, and it was just it was a long-winded way of just saying ball don't lie. Correct. So Correct. Um, <laughs> so all right, you know, I mean, we we didn't need to waste any time. You didn't have to take away a perfectly good goal, but apparently, <laughs> you know, Irati felt that it needed to be retaken, and that was the. And I mean, I think in the strictest interpretation of the laws of the game, he's right. Correct. Um, you know, and yeah, would Inter fans be upset if Chalano went up again and it got saved, and we're talking about a nil-nil draw? <laughs> yeah, sure, but. You know, I you know, as I've kind of replayed this particular incident over and over and over again, Irati really isn't wrong. Okay. There might be other referees that might just wave off the encroachment and say, listen, the action after the missed penalty led to a goal. We're leaving it at that. It's a goal. So because and Lacy can help us out with this because you're you know because at that point, okay. You miss the penalty, a player encroached prior to the striking of the ball. The action resulting after that is a goal anyway. Now you're putting in the referee in a position where you could be potentially rewarding the encroaching player and the team with the encroaching player. Okay? Um, and that would have been an interesting conversation. So, um, so for me... Uh ball don't lie, Chalano's penalty, just kind of validated what happened in the incident before, where it should have been one-nil anyway.
1: Yep, and it ended up being one to th- one nil on halftime. Um first half, neither team really impressed me. I mean, you can say about this the whole game, but really scrappy first half. I did feel that Inter had was the better team of the two, but still not, no chances of quality Outside of the penalty that, that Hakan scored, did you see it another way in that first
0: half? In terms of uh, in terms of the better team?
1: Better team, the, the, the way the the game was going in the uh, the first half.
0: I slightly in Juventus's favor, but man, nothing overwhelming. You know. Um, Nima tweeted it. Halftime, that he said, I'm you know, inter takes that what inter needs to just run like hell to the locker room at halftime with that one-nil lead. And I, I agree with him in part.
1: Yeah,
0: Juventus got off a lot of shots.
1: Yeah, they
0: got three shots on target in that first half, but nothing that I remember really giving Handanovic any kind of trouble. Yeah, you yeah. know, that I mean, Juve created a couple of dangerous things, but nothing that
1: yeah,
0: forced Hondanovich into anything significant. Yep. So, I would, I think I would get slightly edge, Hube in the first half. Uh, for their performance, they outshot they shot they outshot Inter fourteen to three, yeah. In the first, you know, the possession was even, um, and you know, just. But when I watched that first half, I'm sitting. There, I was like, "Yeah, Hube were all over them, but did they really? I I couldn't remember fourteen shots." You know, right. that's just it was. It was one of those strange. Okay, they got fourteen shots, but it's like, where did they get them? Yeah, they created, you know? but it was, what did they do? Nothing, right? Sure. I mean, it was just like it was guesswork. It was kind of. I mean, they were. I mean, a lot of those shots, even some of the ones on target, they were half chances at best. Yeah. You know. You know that it would probably have to take a really stupid deflection or something weird, you know, for it to go into the net. You know, it wasn't, there weren't quality chances. So yeah, statistically it looks superior, but when you actually watch the game, I mean, they they were only slightly better than Inter in the first half, in my opinion. Yep. Yeah,
1: that's fair. And m- much more of the same in the second half. Uh, it was a really great combination play by by Juve that, I forget who got the shot off and missed it wide. Uh, but again, blowing opportunities. You had Vlahovic created his own wonderful shot with his right foot, missed it just wide. There were some close opportunities here and there, but, for the most part, the game continued very much the same way, very scrappy throughout. Um, I mean, the statistics show it: twenty-something shots for for Juventus, only like five for Inter. Uh, but Inter did what they had to do. They kind of pulled the Juventus on Juventus, you know, getting the goal and then kind of holding tight and, and keeping the scoreline as it was. And um, you know, this is a game with the lineup. It showed that Juve really wanted to get the win in this because they get a win, they're in the they're in this fight. Uh, they have a a name at the table, but uh, you, Inter, excuse me, they did what they had to do, get the win. It wasn't pretty by any stretch. Um, I'm sure Inzaghi's seen better days. Correa missed the sitter late in the game yeah. when he came on. Um, but, yeah, overall, it, it was a, a tough derby to watch. Um, very tight. It's very reminiscent of two teams trying to make their claim into the Scudetto conversation um, by not wanting to give up the big play defensively. Um and so yeah, it wasn't many opp- really truly great opportunities created in this game, and it was a a lackluster of a derby if I must if I must say so myself, Frank. Uh, what are your overall thoughts on this game?
0: It was it was it was two hours of my life that I'm never going to get back. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's really the best way I can put it. Oh yeah, it was a painful game to watch. It was a it was one of the worst adverts of Italian football um, that you could have. Um, I mean. It was just, you know, Juventus just, they're so, and again, Paulo Dybala in a big game, where was he? You know, what did he do? I mean, I'm looking at him statistically. He had 11 crosses. Two of them were accurate. Two of them actually found a teammate. I mean, of the front Um, three,
1: Marata probably played the best of the front three. Um, Yeah. um, yeah, But Dybala,
0: again, is just, doesn't show up in these games. You know, Marata gets a negative mark because he committed the penalty. Yeah. Um, but He was was on both sides of the pitch all game long. He found himself in some pretty dangerous places in the interpenalty area. And just Juve couldn't get the ball to him. Because I thought, you know, if there was going to be an attacker, you know, Vlaovic was going to be occupied by Skriniar. And, I mean, it depends on what your interpretation of occupied is because Vlaovic still got off a ton of shots in this game. Yeah. You know, um, he's good at creating his own shot, no matter the circumstance. was good quality. I think, I don't know if this was like putting him in his back pocket, like some people say. No. I don't know. I'm not going to go to that extreme. <clears throat> I think Scrinyard just did just enough to get Vlaovic off schedule when he was taking his chances. I agree. You know, he didn't complete. Chiellini locked down Jekko. Jekko didn't have a damn shot the whole game. Yeah. Okay. That's. Putting someone in your back pocket. Correct. Okay. Vlaovic still took seven shots in this game. That's not necessarily putting him in your back pocket, but you're doing enough, you know, to get him off of, you know, where he's finding comfort.
1: Yeah. So, you know, and you um, can compare it to the Bremer game and Bremer went against Vlahovic and Bremer yeah. put him in his pocket. I mean, he did nothing in that game, but this game, he created some chances, like you said. It just, was enough to get him off his game, and that's really what you want. That's what you want as a, a team who has a guy like Milan Skriniar. You don't necessarily have to shut him down, but keep him off his game that he can't score these goals.
0: And that's what right. Skriniar did, and uh, to his credit, it, it worked to their benefit. I will say this for Vlaovic's development because I was very, very critical about this transfer. I think that, okay, he didn't score, but he got some production on a player that was tasked with man-marking him. Okay, where we have seen him struggle in these moments. Bremer, like you said, uh, Demerol really was into him. Um, Over the course of the two legs, Albiol was fantastic in the Champions League and used his veteran experience and his savvy. Um, So while he didn't score here against Inter, I think he took a little bit of a step forward in being able to understand that the freedom isn't there that he added Fiorentina, okay, and things are going to tighten up, and I've got to figure out how to create, you know, just if I've got a thirty percent chance to score, I better take it anyway, you know, right. um, you know, and not be, you know, timid about the defending or, or any of this other stuff. So I will give Vlaovic some credit that to, to me that's a step forward in his development. So, um, would you? I feel,
1: you know, when Vlahovic and Morata started, I wasn't sure of how that marriage would be. Um, I think they play very well together. I think Morata's skill set is very underrated. People always say he misses goals, and he does, but he's got vision to him. He can do more than just score goals. And I think with Vlahovic, who also has that capability, you add in Chiesa when he's healthy. That's, a, that's, that's exactly that's the it. the front three you have. Dybala is obviously showing he can't do it in these big games. You and as somebody mentioned in the chat, that's why Inter or, or excuse me, Juve getting rid of him because he's not showing when he needs to. Kiese has shown this that he can do this, so those front three is the way to go going forward. Assuming they keep Maratha, because um, I, I can see some good things there between Maratha, Vlahovic, and you add in that X factor of Kiese that makes it very dangerous.
0: Yeah, that is exactly it. <sighs> you know, we talked about Juve needing to change culturally. I think. The chance for that happens when Chiesa's fit and he's back. Can you imagine Chiesa with Vlaovic in front of him? I mean, when we talked about how how good was Chiesa under Pirlo, where he had the forwards in front of him that were occupying defenders, and he can just sneak into those open spaces, and that's where he got a lot of his goals. And now you got Vlaovic getting marked, double marked, and Chiesa can go and attack those spaces. It's where McKinney was good. Yep. You know, these were the kind of midfielders that Juve missed. Yep, Guys that know how to get into those spaces that are being left by the forwards and get into dangerous areas where they can put some pressure on Inter. You know, Dybala doesn't do that. You know, Cuadrado doesn't do that. You know, and, and and you looked, you know who would have done that? Locatelli, but he got hurt.
1: Yep. Zachariah okay. had a good shot in this game, hit off the post.
0: Yes. I mean, yeah, Yeah. Your, your point is 100% right. Yeah, you know, and I think that Juve lacked that. Where I think that that would have even put on put some pressure on even Brozovic, and I thought Brozovic was the best player on the pitch. And I also think because I think his job was much easier in this game than he's probably you know, than, than maybe the derby, the the Milan derby, derby or, or derby. some of the other games that he's played in you know, Napoli, where you know a guy like you know against Napoli, a guy like Zielinski can give him a lot of trouble. Yeah. You know does. Dibala in games like this, and here we go again with him. I mean, you got to you know the crosses. He did get off some shots, but nothing that, nothing that represented any danger. So again, okay, statistically it looks good, but when you actually watch the game and you actually watch the chances, you're like, this isn't you know to Anthony's point this this shouldn't get you 10 million a season. Correct. So um,
1: before we go, Inter, um, I thought this was. A big win for them because they have been on a kind of a skid as of late, um, and, and especially the last month or month and a half or so. To so get a big win in the derby like this, get one over on Juve where everyone thought UVA is going to win, um, is big for the confidence. Now, was it pretty? Hell no. Um, no. They have this. They're, they're a very tired team. They're struggling at the moment. Um, all their players seem to uh, are struggling to score. I mean, Dumfries is probably the only one who's really creating the best of opportunities. Um, but they needed that win, and it'll do them a good now now that they have champions league behind them um, they can try to hunker down and see if they can salvage a a scudetto here they're still in the mix they get that win puts them back in the conversation not that they were ever out but for their confidence wise this win is huge to them cuz now they can maybe get some lesser games i mean i have to look at their schedule i forget who's the, who they have remaining but um, you know napoli and milan have some tough schedule coming up ahead so if yeah. they can get the results
0: who knows they may reign Inter Inter definitely has the easiest run in. Yep. Um, so, Verona this weekend could give them some problems. I mean, for the sheer fact that okay, coming off that derby, it was physical, it was intense. You know, yeah, you got a week to regroup, um, but still to try to. But but you got to play a Verona and a Verona team that's given them some issues in the past. So. Um. You know, so we'll see. Uh, But they do have the easiest run-in, and this was a massive, massive win for them in terms of their title credentials. You know, um, while Milan is top of the table, I think when you consider this win, the run-in they have left, I think you have to make inter-slight favorites to repeat slight i mean ever so slight i mean i'm I'm still sticking with milan that was my pick at the beginning of the season and as long as they're going to be in this thing that's who i'm going to back and right now milan napoli enter one two three that's exactly how i predicted uh this season so um we can stop now <laughs> so but, i can look good <laughs> but don't
1: discount the team we're gonna talk about next don't discount the team we're gonna talk about next
0: exactly so um, so it's good for them. So the other big game that's shaping this title race that happened over the weekend, Richard, well, there's the third one that we'll talk about here shortly. But Atalanta and Napoli, uh, this took place on Sunday morning. Um, back from the break, uh, Atalanta, Richard, went with Musso in goal. Uh, three-man defense of Scalvini, Palomino, and Gimsiti, uh Hattabor and Zapacosta on the wingbacks. Uh, Diron and Freuler in that center midfielder, uh, in that center midfield, cup miners behind Malinowski and Muriel. Uh, so this just in big shock, Gasparini going to a 3 4 1 2 against not against Napoli, well, against anybody in Serie A. Yeah, yeah,
1: it's, um, yeah, I mean, uh, with with Atalanta, we always say this it doesn't matter who they put in there because they all seem to perform what they did, they did. Uh, it's always curious to see who he's gonna pick because it seems like he's just doing like uh, a blind pick or Russian roulette, and just picking whoever he wants because it doesn't really matter for him, I guess. They all just fit the, the plug and play. We always talk about this Atalanta, but it was a decent lineup. You know, it's interesting to see what Cope Miners could probably do against Cope uh, Miners, and Malinowski would do against uh, Napoli. Um, you knew that Darun and Fuller were gonna have a, a hell of a day with the midfield against Napoli, and so. Yeah, and I'm curious. I was also curious to see what Scalvini would do, the youngster, how he would do against the attack of, of Napoli, how he would cope with that. So, yeah, it was an interesting not for me, but fairly fairly normal for Gasparini, I guess I would say.
0: Yep, uh, Napoli come back with Ospina and goal. And speaking of youngsters, uh, Alessandro Zanoli at right back in place of uh, Di Lorenzo, uh, Kulibali and Jesus in the middle, Mario Rui on the right, on the left. I'm sorry, uh, they'd go with the double pivot of Labotka and Angisa. Uh, Smart if you're going to play Atalanta. Um, Politano on the right, Insigne on the left, Zielinski. In that trequartista role behind Dries Mertens as the nine. Um, Zanoli, I was impressed. But here's the thing with Zanoli. The role was incredibly simplified for him. Yep. He did his job. Let's give him credit. He I thought he was really good. Yes. Um but the role for him was simplified. He wasn't asked to be a guy that bombs forward and provides service. He's basically staying home. He was almost a de facto, you know, third center, you know, third center back. Uh you know, if you will. They asked him to stay back. They asked him to, you know, just kind of help give some cover. I think that that's what Spalletti had in mind. So I I loved the Balance of the Napoli lineup for this game at Atalanta. What did you think?
1: I agree, and I think that is should be a massive credit to Spalletti to make it simple for Zanoli. Um, He could have said, "You know, you're on the team. You do what you got to do." No, he said, "Let's let's make it simple for you and just do what you have to. Just do your role, and that's it." And 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 it worked. It worked well. I thought. Uh, So I thought the lineup was very balanced. We've talked about in the past before. Granted, there's no Ossiman, there's no Patania, so he had to kind of default to Dries Mertens. But Dries Mertens has played the false nine before. He's done it, so he knows how to do it. Why don't you use him more? The fact that Spalletti has not used him that much this season is still mind boggling to not, not only us, but also the Rough and Rough Biz and the, uh, Rough and Rough Rant, uh, the Far From Suvius, all the Napoli folks, they're, they're always talking about this. Um, and so it's nice to see Dries Mertens get a run on this, whether it's by default or not. Um, I thought it was a very well-balanced lineup Um, that midfield was going to always cause havoc for, for Darun and Freuler and for Atalanta. And so, yeah, I like what they did and all that culminated with the Zanoli very easy to do your role type of job. I think Spalletti did a great job lining this team up.
0: Yep. I I agree. I, I, I love what Spalletti did here. (sighs) I mean, he's not hiding the kid. You know, nope. I mean, in this case, I mean, he still had a role defensively. It was just like, okay, you're going to cover ground, you're going to support clears, you're going to pick people up. You're, these are you're going to be your functions in the game. We are not looking for you to be a a bombing forward fullback. We're looking for you to hold things, keep, help help keep a lid on things without Atlanta. You know, and that's where Mario Rui was tasked with maybe going forward on the left hand side. So it kind of just kind of pivoted you know and shifted. So and and it looked really good. Yeah. Um Napoli would go ahead on 14 minutes. Uh, Dries Mertens taken down in the penalty area. This was subject to a VAR review which was correct. Lorenzo Insigne scoring to go a goal up. Uh and then in the 37th minute in the first half, goal of the week candidate for me. I only have three goals in the goal of the week, so I'm going to have a top 3. Mm-hmm. This being one of them, a dead ball Lorenzo Insigne Politano Using really good skill to just kind of be able That's to turn cool. his body and his hips and redirect the ball on goal, make it 2 0 at halftime. So, um, great performance from Napoli when you look at it in the first half. A game that, okay, so Atalanta possession is relatively even. Atalanta outshot Napoli 11 to 4, but all four of Napoli's shots were on target. Um, you two know, of them so, were they goals. were, and two of them were goals. A brutally efficient first half from Spalletti's men deserve to be up two nil.
1: Hundred percent. And so this in this game we saw oh this half I should say we saw two very important facts. Well, one is Napoli are saying, "Hey, look, we we are very much. It's not just Milan I can enter the Scudetto hunt. It's it's us as well. We can put teams away like Atalanta who are dangerous to some teams, right? Also, we saw the Atalanta who. Very similar to Juve and very similar to Milan. We'll talk about later. A lot of shots, but nothing really crazy. Ospina did have to do more saves than, than maybe Handanovic did in the, in the other game. But Atalanta, again, a lot of shots, but nothing of substantial quality that leads to goals. They they, they mm-hmm. put up a lot of shots over and over every week, but it doesn't always result in goals. They get, they've been very... They found it very difficult to score goals lately, uh, which is crazy to say for Atalanta, a team that's known to score three, four, five goals every game. They've barely scored one goal, maybe two goals a game. So uh, more of the same with them, and it shows in a big game. They're finding it difficult to score score any kind of goals, and this is why they're not in the top four anymore because of this kind of performance. You don't put any quality shots on the opposition, then you give the opposition, you leave your defense wide open, and then the other team is going to be clinical and put it away. So you know, mm-hmm. props to Napoli, props to Spalletti. Perfect first half, if you could have one for Napoli um, and be up 2-0. Uh, now they can play the way that they want going forward. Atalanta does going to have to come out of the shell, leaving them more exposed in the back. So, yeah, brilliantly done by Spaletti in the men.
0: Second half, uh, obviously, uh, Gaspardini makes some reinforcements. Maranchuk is in for Melanovsky. Boga is in for Atibor. Uh Definitely starts to get a little bit more aggressive. Ends up... Uh, paying off to an extent, at least Maranchuk's introduction, because he uh, floats a ball uh, just kind of over the top of the Napoli defense, finds their own who heads one in, gives Atalanta a lifeline. Um, And then what we're subject to for the rest, you know, for the rest of this is (laughs) just Atalanta pressing, trying to get the equalizer, really not getting anything dangerous on Ospina's goal. Uh, And that's a credit to how Napoli set themselves up. Um, I thought the Rui substitution was perfect uh, by Spalletti to bring him in, bring off Zielinski, have a three-man midfield that can kind of sit in front of that back forward, defuse things, yeah. and then it would pay off as they hit on the break. Uh, Lozano getting the collecting the ball from midfield, attacking, split some defenders to the left-hand side where Elmas just coolly slots one home. 3-1 to Napoli. So,
1: What a counterattack.
0: Yeah, it was a beautiful counter-attacking goal. It's two one, and <laughs> yeah, you're not, you know, you now you're playing that delicate balance. If you're Napoli, said, that okay? We got to defend what we have. If we get another one out of it, great. If not, two one suits us. We're out of here with three points. But um, they, they hit three-one. the counter and they win three one. Oh right. So yeah, I just like let me finish my statement. <laughs> <laughs> I know I ramble, but man, give me a chance. <laughs> so yeah. Right. Um. 3-1 to Napoli, uh, Scudetto statement, question mark, is what we say at the top of this. So is this a statement to you? Me. Or because Atalanta have been so painfully inconsistent at home that you could look at this and say, well, this is a win they should win, okay, because of how bad Atalanta have been at the Gavis is for whatever reason. Sure. Um, you know – I'm, and I'm trying to remove my Milan bias from this. I, you know, I, I I expected Napoli to win this game, to be honest. So,
1: so this is why I say it is a statement from, from Napoli, because yes, we expect Napoli to win, but in these situations, these types of situations, excuse me, alcohol is getting to me now. Um, (laughs) These types of situation in the past, in this type of, this time of the season, Napoli, when they're expected to win, don't always win. And they, they see the Scudetto hopes disappear from them. Uh, Atalanta are always going to have possession, always going to have a shots advantage over, your, over you. Um, and in the past, Napoli, when they're expected to win, what would they have done? They would have not been able to score, and it would have been a 0-0, 1-1 type of game, not walked away with three points. What do they come in this do in this game? They get two goals in the first half, walk away with 3-1 victory, um, and... This is a game that they had to win. They, they should have won, and they did win. You know, in the past, they would have had to win this and not win this. And I think that's the big difference in this. In this, why there's whether it's good at the contenders, because they could have very easily blown this game and kind of walked away with one point easily. And the fact that they, you know, led by Insigne and Mertens and company, they they got all three points when they needed to. Um, yeah, Atalanta is not the Atalanta we're used to with all the goals but they got the job done and in this time of the season all that matters is three points and napoli found a way to get the three points some of the people that they they went up against you know other people other teams in the in the top 8 didn't necessarily get wins so um napoli did what they had to do and they put pressure now on on milan to continue to find ways to get results or they're going to be be passed here i think um of the top 3 teams this weekend, I think Napoli make the bigger statement of the three because they they get a win against a team that's decent. It's not a it's not a it's not a pushover by any stretch, but it's a team that's caused problems for others around the league. And so, I think yes, I think it's a statement game because if they actually get a win compared to the past, they would have gone it.
0: That's just. I, I'm going to disagree. I think I'm more impressed with Inter's win at Juve than I am with 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 Napoli winning at Atalanta. Now, the, 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 now, just and, – and that is just flat out on results, okay? I'm more impressed with Napoli's performance. I, I, I applaud the efficiency with which they went about their business uh, at Atalanta on Sunday. I thought it was an efficient performance, um, especially when they really didn't have a lot of chances and scored three goals. Um, but – I thought it was a I thought Spalletti probably did the best coaching job of any manager this weekend. Um the intergame for me to go to Juve was definitely to me from a result standpoint that's that's definitely more impressive and I think that I cite Atalanta struggles at home. Mm-hmm. Um that I probably, I had and, and Juventus who had this long unbeaten run in Serie A and for Inter to yeah. go there and break it in the circumstances would, so to me Inter's winning result is more impressive than Napoli's. Napoli's performance was more impressive than Inter's so it's, okay. it's just, it's a, it's, it's a balancing act, okay. but that's where I look at it with those two contenders. Fair enough. So. Fair enough. It seems like we both agree that Milan didn't have the greatest of weekends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and I I thought Milan played outstanding. I, I don't, you know, and I think that, and we'll get to that. And, you know, we're going to have to, I'm going to have to hold Milan Twitter's hands again because, you know, I need to talk them through all of this, but on a different day, that's a 3-0 win for the Rossinetti. Yep. So, I mean, at, at a minimum, I mean, at a minimum. Yep. They, they could have won, but they should have won by more. And we've seen that Milan-Bologna fixture where Milan blasted them for five or six goals. This was what? This was during the, uh, when there were no fans, two years ago. Yep. So, Um, So, this is – it looked – and we'll talk about that game, but it looked the same as that game, just Milan didn't score. And it's the cruelty of football sometimes. Yeah. So, um, Atalanta, this is probably a good time to talk about Leipzig coming on Thursday um, for Europa League. Does this – maybe have you a little more negative about their chances this Thursday against Leipzig that this performance or do you see we've been, I've said this the last couple of times we've been on. I think Atalanta are all in on the Europa League uh, and that they're going to put their efforts into this. And we've seen this before. It was a couple of rounds ago where they were crap in league on the weekend, but then they go and they beat Olympiacos. And you're like, well, okay, they're maybe they're just more focused on Europa at this point. I think that's the case. I'm going to pick them to beat Leipzig, just it's going to be a homer pick, but I'm going to go with them to win three to two. I think two teams that attack and score a lot of goals, but two teams that can't defend for shit. You know, you know, the Bundesliga better than I do. Um, so I think it's going to be an exciting game. I think it's going to be a game people are going to want to watch if they're neutral yeah. and want something to do. But I'm going to go Atalanta 3, Leipzig 2. I think Atalanta win on Thursday to set the tone for next week.
1: I love me some Domenico Tedesco. I do. I think mm. he's a very underrated manager. Um, but I don't know. I, this game's going to be tight. I think it's going to be a, a, a draw on that one. I think you know. I think both both teams defensively can be had. But I think... Tedesco is going to do enough not to let his team lose. And I think Leipzig can't do enough to beat uh, Atalanta. I think it's going to be a stalemate. I think there'll be some goals. I see, you know, you said 3 2. I say 2 2. I think there'll be goals in this one for sure. But I don't think um, either manager is going to let the other team take away a, a victory in this. I think it's going to be very tight. But I mean, who knows? I mean, and on any given day, both these teams could just concede to so many goals. We've seen Atalanta mm-hmm. do it. Leipzig can do it as well. Uh, so it's going to be entertaining. 100 percent true, it's going to be entertaining. Uh, but yeah, I, I think there will be goals in this one. Uh, yeah, so two two. I I don't see a winner in this this one, this game in particular, maybe the second leg. But uh, yeah, it's going to be definitely entertaining. Lots of talent on both sides. Offensively, it's going to be um, yeah. certainly something that
0: you know the neutral everybody should watch. Honestly, and, and I'm not going to hate that result either because I'm going to trust Atalanta away. Yeah when they go to Leipzig that they're going to be able to go and get the result that they need to get through to the semis. I, I, I think Atalanta is hitting the final of this Europa league. They've got, they've got to beat Leipzig, but I think they're capable of overcoming whoever wins between Braga and Rangers. Mm, yeah. Um, but I think Atalanta make the final of this Europa league. Uh, so I, would like,
1: uh, to see it. I would like to see that.
0: Yep. Let's see him do it. So, so that was our quick Euro preview because that's, all that's left. I mean, yeah, there's Roma doing that <laughs> conference sure. league thing, but anyway, <laughs> Oh, what about the rest of it, Richard?
1: Ah, all right. All right, So Let's start off first with Spezia hosting Venezia of the relegation six pointer.
0: See, and uh, that's the other thing I'm going to miss about this next season is Spezia Venezia. It's an awesome, it's fixture because it rhymes. Yeah, it it rolls just off rolls, rolls off. off. Spezia, yeah. Venezia. And there's a very good chance we're not going to have that next year. And it makes me sad. And it's not because of Spezia.
1: It's because of Venezia. And it uh, might be
0: because of Spezia, too, before it's said and done. We'll talk about that. <laughs> this
1: is true. This is true. Uh, this game was interesting, I would say. Um, some chances going both ways. We thought we saw a, a hell of a goal. Oh, we, oh, we thought we, there's some chances here and there, both teams. Really looked like it was going to end a zero-zero game. It really did. Um, and then in the 94th minute, 4th minute stoppage time, somehow the ball trickles to Giassi in front of the goal. It was a great, it was a great play offensively uh, to get the ball into the box. But Giassi off his chest goes in the goal. Late winner again against Venezia. As much as we love all the jerseys and the team and the story and all that, again, they lose in a game which is big for them. They could not afford to lose this game, and they did. Spezia win one nothing at home in this one. Uh, moving on, Lazio hosting Sassuolo. Again, we thought a lot of goals could have happened. We saw some goals. wasn't as many as we were hoping for in particular, but uh, goal scoring started early. Goal week candidate Lazari uh, does it all himself. Uh, cuts to the left-hand side, scores the goal in the 17th minute, makes it one nothing. Goal by that scoreline at halftime. Coming out of the brink, Malikovic-Savic, uh, did he do it on purpose? Did he not? I don't know. He makes it 2 nothing for Lazio. Uh, off a of Luis Alberto free kick, and then uh, in stoppage time, Junior Trier would get a consolation goal all for not. Lazio, uh, big bounce-back win after the embarrassing loss in the Derby the week before, or two weeks before, I should say. Uh, moving over to Salernitana Tana in Torino. This was a tough one to watch. Uh, this was a very difficult game. Not much going on. Um, Belotti... Very similar to the Juventus Inter game where he get a penalty misses, but there was an encroachment, had to reset the play again. Steps up again, scores a goal, one nothing at that point, and that would be all the goals in the game. Very difficult to watch in this one. Not many opportunities going either way. Uh, Torino win this game, one nothing. There was a great save in this game, I, I should say, by Cilentano, but one uh, nothing. Torino wins in this one. Uh, Derby del Appenino, uh Fiorentina hosting Empoli. We thought we saw a game winning goal where Pinamonti and the goalkeeper collide. Di Francesco scores a sensational overhead kick volley. Would have been goal of the week had it scored, but hold on, VAR gets involved. Pinamonti steps on the keeper,
0: forces a foul.
1: Good call there. Uh, I, don't I don't know. know. I thought
0: okay. it was tack. I I oh, I don't think there was enough there. I think Empoli got robbed. I I I watched that replay a couple times and I'm like
1: I don't agree that they got robbed, but it wasn't in this scenario. A um, few minutes later, uh, Luperto, who's already on a yellow, gets called for a second yellow, gets mm. a red card. That ensues into a free kick that leads to a Nico Gonzalez goal. one nothing, the only goal in the game. I thought that was unfairly called against Luperto. I thought it was a shoulder-to-shoulder and, and I forget who the guy is. Uh, Nico Gonzalez goes down. I thought that was a harsh red. And after that, after that penalty or after that foul red card not only did they get a goal against it was all fiorentina after that it was a very yeah. close game up to that point um either way you think you think that the the, the non goal was a bullshit call i thought that foul was a bullshit call either way empoli got screwed in this one no matter what the way you look at it uh and fiorentina get another one of victory against empoli in the derby that's two in this this year um, they scraped the win in this one. It wasn't pretty by any stretch. It was, it was entertaining for a derby, much more entertaining, I think, than a derby Italia. Well, Fiorentina um, could have
0: blown them out. They could I mean, have. They, yeah, the second half. Vicario had ten saves. So, He's I, a good goalkeeper. He is a yeah, good he goalkeeper. Is. He's really good.
1: Yeah, I see Anthony Privetra Prevetra is in the house. What's up,
0: boys? Uh, all right, moving Anthony, on. Anthony, your boys. Your Anthony, your boys won ugly. I think basically to sum it up, uh, I'm more impressed. With your result over Juventus than Napoli's result over Atalanta, but I'm more impressed with Napoli's performance against Atalanta than Inter's performance against Juve. So, there you go. Speaking of uh, impressive performances or not, Udenese hosting
1: Cagliari in this one. Uh, goal scoring will start in the 38th or excuse me, 32nd minute. Joe Pedro, uh, honestly, I was going to put this in my goal of the week candidates. It's a goal of the week candidate for me. Jao Pedro, fancy footwork to get a left footed shot past the goalkeeper. 1 the Cagliari. Uh, but just six minutes later, Bacau would get a goal off a set piece in the 38th minute. Then it would turn into the Beto and Molina show. Beto scores a goal in the 45th, 49th. He would get his triplata in the 73rd minute. But before that, goal of the week for me, Molina sensational yeah. chip shot over the keeper from deep. I mean, he left he left for stranded in this one. Uh, wonderful goal. Udinese walk away winners, five to one. Did not see five goals coming from Udinese in this one. But maybe we should have. It's Cagliari, right? Sorry, George, if you're listening. Uh, moving on, Sampdoria hosting Roma. This game was going to be a tricky one for Roma. Roma had a big victory against in the derby against Lazio a couple weeks ago. How would they bounce back in this one? Well, they bounced back very well. I thought the, it, was, it was a hard game against Sampdoria. Sampdoria is a difficult team. Uh, they would get a goal in the 27th minute to Mekatarian. Had some opportunities to score. Tammy Abraham read uh, a terrible pass from a defender back to the keeper, which he intercepted. Didn't score. Didn't matter. Roma won, won nothing. Mourinho had some choice words for everybody after the game. Um, Roma on a nice unbeaten streak. I think it's 10, 11 games, something like that, maybe in 12 games overall. Uh, mm-hmm. Really impressive by them. But all of a sudden, it's getting a hot end of the season. Very unlike Roma, thanks to Mourinho, I would say. Um Another team that's on a long, unbeaten run, Genoa, were on the road to Hellas, Verona. Giov- Giovanni Simeone scored in the fifth minute. Get the goal scoring start early. Uh, you knew once he scored, it was basically over because Genoa can't score goals. They don't lose, but they don't score goals either. Mm. Uh, and Genoa, try as they might, could not score any goals. Destro w- went for an outlandish type of uh, overhead kick l- late in the game. Didn't get it. Hellas win, one nothing at home. Uh, and then... Milan hosting Bologna you mentioned it Milan lots of chances they peppered him. Milan coming out there with their uh their best attempt at the worst jersey of the year with uh hmm. Inter Milan in this one uh but 0-0 Bologna somehow hold fort uh everyone both both sides you know given uh well wishes to Senisa Mihajlovic uh, after yes. his uh, diagnosis with the uh cancer again uh yep. but 0-0 in this game Agreed. uh so That um, puts now Milan one point ahead of Napoli in the Scudetto race and uh,
0: four points on Inter. So where do you want to start with this? Um, Okay, so let's start with Milan and and Milan Twitter because there was a lot of anger about not beating Bologna and all this other stuff. And I I think when you take a look at Bologna, um, uh, well, obviously, first of all, they they were very inspired. But two, two, when you take a look at them, they're not conceding a lot of goals lately. The defending has been a lot better. Skrubski's playing really, really well. So, you know, and Skrubski was outstanding in this game too. He had seven yeah. saves. Yeah, with was this? Um, And I think you can talk about goalkeeping this weekend. You can talk about him. You can talk about Montepo for uh, Hellas Verona. You can talk about Vicario for Empoli in a losing effort. Magnon had some big saves in the game too. Yes, Magnon had a great game. There has been some. There was some great goalkeeping this weekend. Um So, okay, hate the result, love the performance. I thought Milan played really well. Um, I just think unlucky to not come out of there with the win. Uh, Great chances. You've seen Giroud got the ball on his head. He got in good positions. Skrubski made a couple good saves. It happens, okay? But okay, you can look at the table right now and you can shit your pants if you want to, that you're only one point ahead of Napoli, that you're only four points ahead of Inter and Inter have a game in hand. Go ahead and do that if you want to. I'm not going to. I think I'm going to take the positives from a good performance, okay, a defense that's still not allowing goals, okay, and then on a different day, like I said earlier, this is a 3-0, 3-0 maybe 4-0 win for Milan. And they still okay? control their own destiny. It's just, and they still control their own destiny. You're right. It's just how it goes. I'm so, more appalled
1: by the jersey than
0: the result on the pitch. Yeah, the I, jersey was terrible. terrible. That was painful. That it, was that was hard. That, that was that was that was hard to look at. That hurt the eyes a little. I got. That, I can't. That is in the running for the worst jersey of the year. Honestly, is anyway. But yeah, the
1: performers, I thought they played well. They had some great opportunities. Korupski made some good saves in this one. Uh, Magnon was forced to make some that saves shit that well. Juve
0: is doing with their yellow and blue. Honestly, like, I think
1: that's better than Milan's, honestly. Look
0: like cyclist outfits. I mean.
1: <laughs> I wear those now. <laughs> anyway. Besides, okay. I don't want to scare our, our fans anymore. But anyway. Yeah, Milan's performance, while the result wasn't the greatest, they still have a one-point lead. You know, you can say, oh, they're only one point up, but they're still only one point up. Like, they control their own destiny, so it's not as bad. If they lost, yes, you know, you can look at something different. But um, they hold a tiebreaker over Inter. They have a one-point lead on, on uh, Napoli, they control their own destiny, and so it's not the worst-case result. Um, I think the – well, uh, I won't talk about the relegation fight right now, but, um, yeah, the Milan game wasn't as bad. Yes, we want to see wins, right, if, if you're a mm-hmm. Milan, Milan fan, but they yeah. got to draw. It's yeah. more important to not lose than to lose.
0: Yeah. Right? <laughs> you want to win. Far worse. Far worse. um Okay, with a five man, okay, so Dominic is asking with a five man midfield that's supposed to body off Leo and Diaz, should Kessie have started? Um I don't think so. Okay, first of all, Abishur is not really a guy that's gonna body people off. I think he was the guy okay, so Scouton and Svanberg are the dirty work guys in that midfield. And Abishur, if you if you watched him play for young boys, he's kind of a guy that becomes a ten. In that situation where he's given the license to get further forward and link up with the forwards, he's not to me, you know. In the in in the few times I have watched him, although he did have three, you know he, he won three tackles, but he got two shots on goal too from distance from his midfield position, um, you know. So and and he was he was one of the better players for Bologna in this game, but he's not Skoten or Svonberg – you know he's not that type of player, um, so I don't know if that was an out and out midfield that was bodying Leo and Diaz because Leo and Diaz still got their chances. Yeah, um, Diaz wasn't you know, as bad as
1: people said too.
0: No, Diaz was more of a creator. He didn't get a lot
1: of shots in this game. Right wing is a problem for Milan, but you can't do anything about it now. It just figured it out. Oh sure, him. it
0: continues to be a problem. It's you're trying to guess between Messias and. Uh, Salamakers it looks like they subbed on Rebic for, for Messias, and it didn't get much better. And like I said, Giroud had great chances aerially. Um, like I said, uh, it's, a, it's a Milan that performed outstanding. Teo was great. Tonali played really well. Uh, Diaz played better, as everybody's alluding to. Um, they just didn't score, you know? I mean, it just, it's just – it's. One sometimes you have days like that, yeah. And you know, we talked about it, we talked about it with Italy at the beginning of this podcast, yeah. You know, and that that was a, that in that case it was a lot more painful. Here it's, you know, I don't think it's going to hurt Milan as much as if they would have lost this game. I agree. so I agree. You know, so I, I I have a hard time, and I I think right now with Milan Twitter with Milan supporters, there is just a restlessness. It's like can we win a, finally win a damn Scudetto? We're at the top. They
1: want to blow everyone to, out at the end. Just
0: want to keep winning and just destroy everybody on the way to winning this damn thing and being done with it. And I understand that. But sometimes you've got to detach from the result and look at the performance and say, we're playing well. We didn't score. We're going to get – we'll get it on the next one. So, you know, just, just one of those things. So,
1: yep. What other
0: games you want to talk about? Lazio, kind of coming around to what we thought they would be under Saudi. I mean, this is kind of the path that we thought Lazio would be under under Saudi. Um, up and down, up and down. Early struggles, figuring it out, new system, new formation, changing things around a little bit. But now they're sixth. You know, they're still it's still tight. Atalanta's a point behind them with a game in hand. Fiorentina's two points behind them with a game in hand. You know, I picked him to finish eighth way back at the beginning of the season because of Saudi needing a season to try to transition things a little bit. Deficiencies at midfield positions, especially I mean, mainly with Lucas and not really having somebody else that's better to sit in front of that back four. And then also I think some deficiencies at fullback, although with Saudi coming back and playing the way he did Big. was very, very encouraging. But – I'll argue that they were probably lucky to get these three points against Sassuolo. Sassuolo had 20 shots in this game. They had lots of chances
1: they did.
0: and looked dangerous. So,
1: Stricosha played
0: decent. Uh, yes, Strakosha played well. I think defensively, there's still some shakiness to Lazio that on a different day, Sassuolo steal this. Yep. But I agree. You know, it, this wasn't a dominant Lazio win. This was a. Find a way, hang, find a way, and hang on to what you got, kind of game. Which at this stage of the season, if you're trying to hang on to a European place, those are those are crucial. I so. was impressed
1: that they held Sassuolo to a, a goal not until ninety fourth minute. I expected Sassuolo mm. to score much earlier and then try to hang on after that. So they, yep. the fact that they, they somehow kept them shut out, as many shots as they give up, they kept them shut out until that very end of the game. So that that was impressive in that, in that regards.
0: This was a massive win for Spezia. Yeah. Um considering what they have down the stretch, we've talked about we talked about this last time we were on. I mean uh they have they go to Empoli on Saturday, um, which is a winnable game for them. They have to win that game because let's just remind everybody the rest of the slate. Hosting Inter at Torino, hosting Lazio, hosting Atalanta, at Udinese, oh. hosting hosting Napoli. Yikes so
1: they got a 10-point lead on Venezia at the moment. They might right.
0: get all those 10 points. If they can win at Empoli on Saturday, right. I think 35 is going to be good. Yeah. They're on 32 right now. Yeah. I think 35 is going to be good. This, I mean, they have to have this game on Saturday. This is their season for me. Yeah. Okay? Um, and if they do it, they're going to stay up. Regardless with even with even with those last six games.
1: Well, this brings in Dominic's question from earlier talking about relegation. He goes, uh, who do you want to see relegated and who do you think will get relegated? So who do you want to see relegated of the teams that are in contention and who do you think will get relegated? Solarity a no-brainer, right?
0: Celerity Town is done. Um they've played a lot better in recent weeks. They're just not good enough. Right. Um I think Venezia is done. Sad to say. I think they've run out of steam. Um, After that, I probably would have been happy to tell you Spezia, but since they beat Venezia, I think that's a game that's going to help them survive. I'm looking at Empoli, and I think that the fixtures are set up for them that they're going to be able to hang on to what they've got and stay up. Um they there's inter, there's Napoli in there, but there's some other winnable games. Salernitana's on there. Um but still at a in a position where you gotta keep an eye on them And I would still say keep an eye on Spezia, even if they win at Napoli or I mean at Empoli. Um I'm looking at the rest of Sampdoria's games right now at Bologna, hosting Salernitana, at Verona, the Derby Della Lanterna, but wow, at Lazio, hosting Fiorentina and at Inter. Oof. So Samp have to start racking up some points. Yeah. What are they on? 29 right now?
1: Twenty-nine.
0: Okay. And win two of their next three games, they're fine. Win all three. They're and the because it's gonna be these next these next three games for them. Yeah. So then it becomes okay, do you think Genoa catch Callioge or do you think Calliope can hold, can hold them off?
1: That's a tough one.
0: Yep. That's where it comes down to, and it's kind of...
1: I i want to see Venezia stay on, and I want to see Cagliari and Genoa go down because they've been so painful to watch the last several seasons. Mm. But I think, like you, I think Venezia is going to go down. I, You know, the question is Genoa and Cagliari, I think, is a big one. Um, Genoa has shown more promise. They've been had a long unbeaten streak under Blessing, so they come back from the dead pretty much. But... <sighs> I feel like Cagliari needed like a hard reset. Uh, yep. But I hate to see him go down because I don't know if he'll ever come back up. I have more confident Genoa will come back up before Cagliari, I guess.
0: I don't know. Um, Cagliari, Cagliari are at Genoa April 24th.
1: Hmm.
0: That's going to be a massive game. game. Oh, my goodness. That's one of the games so, right there. And then you also have the Darby Della Lanterna.
1: Yeah, that's a big which game Which has too.
0: become a relegation six-pointer as well. That's May 1st. So those are those two games could be Genoa's season. Yep. Right there. Yep. So, but if sop can find a way to squeeze out, I mean, but because the, their run ins difficult, I'm going to just go on the run ins and I'm going to make a sensational decision here and say that we got Salernitana going down,
1: mm-hmm.
0: we got Venezia going down. I think Sampdoria are going to be the third team that goes down. Wow. Okay. Just on schedule. They're too good. OK, for sure, they're too good. But looking at the fixtures, looking at what they're going to be up against and the agenda that those teams have, I would not be shocked to see Sampdoria finishing 18th and I, dropping.
1: I am going to go with Gallieri,
0: And I wouldn't hate that either. Yep. I wouldn't hate that idea either. Yep. So, I mean, it's. The, the I mean the bottom the race for the the race at the bottom is, is is as crazy as the race at the top. It is. And we're talking about some rather relevant brand names. We're not, you know, yeah. I mean, in, kind of institutions of Italian football here. Sampdoria. I mean, when you think about that, they were in a nineteen ninety two, they were playing for the uh European Cup. Genoa, the oldest team in the league. I mean, in, in the in the country. I mean, yeah. yeah, crazy. And, you know and then Cagliari has has been around so yeah it's you know none of them are safe i think Spezia and Empoli are in the best positions to play their way out of it saturday's a huge game if spezia win that i think they're safe if they lose that i think they're right back in the conversation um especially with the rest of the fixtures that they have but yeah. if spezia can win that game on saturday i think they're safe so um, big game so, so we'll see huge game i think that that's one everybody i mean if you're looking for one to watch i mean just as a neutral empoli spezia and that's i think on saturday it's on the ninth okay that's a you're gonna see some intensity because there's a lot on the line for those two teams that's
1: the first game on the uh, on the ninth so whatever the ninth is um saturday, saturday. yeah it's the first yep. game
0: yep should be a good one so we'll see uh, Ali Ali, I believe in a Milan Scudetto. Just need to finish on the same points as Inter and Napoli. We win the small group head to head. Okay. Yep. yep. Control yep. their own destiny. Still, yeah, still in control of their destiny. So let's go back to the top of the table. Let's remind everybody of Milan's run in now here with seven games left. Um, okay, at Torino on Sunday, hosting Genoa. Um, they do have the Coppa Italia second leg against Inter on the 19th. Uh, at Lazio, hosting Fiorentina, at Verona, hosting Atalanta, at Sassuolo. Okay. Uh, Challenging, okay, is probably the best way I'll put it. Okay. Not easy, uh, but also not excruciating. Um, Napoli, host Fiorentina, host Roma, at Empoli, host Sassuolo, at Torino, host Genoa, at Spezia. Mm. Easier. Yeah. Slightly. Slightly. But not by much. Not by much. Okay. Um, inter, uh, hosting Verona at Spezia, uh, the second leg of the Copa with Milan, uh, hosting Roma at Bologna, uh, which has been made up for April 27th at Udinese hosting Empoli at Caleri hosting Samp. Uh, They
1: got two teams that are fighting for their lives at the end. So that could be trickier than they think.
0: Yep. So we'll see what happens. Um, but yeah, it'll, it'll all be, it'll all be interesting. Hmm. The way the top three is positioned right now is how I predicted it, so I'm sticking with that. I'm not changing my mind. I'll just ride that to the end, and we'll see what happens. All so, right. So, goals of the week.
1: Uh, goals of the week. Uh, number five for me, the runes header from Aranchuk. I like the, the finish on the header. I like the assist as well. Uh, number four, Lazzari's solo run leading to the goal there. Number three, uh, the wonderful counterattack by Napoli, finished off by Elmas. Really well done by the North Macedonian. Sorry, Azuri fans. Uh, number two, Matteo Politanò. His goal from the set piece. I thought that was wonderfully done. Wonderfully done by Sinia. Wonderful finish by Politanò. Not many guys could put that off. But number one goal of the week. Goal of the week for me, Molina. That chip over yeah. the goalkeeper was ridiculous.
0: Yep. I just have three. I'll go with uh, Lazzari in at number three for me. Politanò's goal at number two. Molina goal of the week for me. I'm in agreement with you there. All right. So. We are done with that, and we can now move on, Richard, to the world's most popular hashtag game. It is now time for who won Calcio Twitter.
1: All right, starting off this week, it's uh, Retta this way. It's uh, Little Italy's in Canada right now. Let's go back into the bushes with the Italy jersey. Come back with the Canadian jersey because Canada's in the World Cup, and the yeah, Azzurri are nuts. Same
0: Paint for
1: Italian.
0: Same for Italian Americans too. Yes, so. but
1: um, at least at least Canada. Oh, yeah, well, I said. America backed their way into the World Cup, but they got in. They got in. That's what he
0: yeah. did. Congratulations to uh Canada, first time since nineteen eighty six. Looking forward yeah. to seeing oof, what a group they they're well. in. I think they'll I think they'll make a good I, I think they'll give a good account of themselves. Whether they qualify bad. or not, it's gonna be and I, Morocco is also better than everybody thinks. Yes. You know, yes, looking at that group and looking at the talent that they have. So um Raf Biz nominates our good friend Joseph Fischetti. Um, who tweeted, uh, Insignia was right. Going to Toronto will not inhibit him from playing in the World Cup. <laughs>
1: so, Oh, I love that. All right. Uh, Nick Giovanni is uh, nominating. Uh, Steph Cioffi says, uh, I had two. So Italy's World Cup hopes and North Macedonia slaps him. <laughs> <They> <laughs>
0: slap hurt across
1: the world. Uh.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I am surprised we did not get more... Yeah. Uh traction with that a the Will Smith uh Chris Rock meme. I was actually uh maybe that's just the way it was. Oh well we got one here at Finally Teo. Uh, <laughs> he just takes this to another level. <laughs> <laughs> Ajax against on Hueve, Leon on Juve. Porto on Juve. And then finally, Villarreal on Juve. Leader in the clubhouse. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. Well played at uh, finally, Okay, Uncle Sharma, thank you for nominating that one.
1: All right.
0: Paris one niche one. in the house. Uh,
1: top row, you've got 42 trophies combined. Bottom row, you've still got 42 trophies combined.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Just taking a uh, zing at Pioli. Yep. 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 So... <laughs> uh, Okay, Sabrina nominating uh, Herzalide underscore two. Uh, this is Madame Moncada Gian Gigio Donnarumma's next away kit, uh, where he just sticks a net between his legs. This is in uh, reference to the goal he conceded against Turkey. Oh yeah, uh, on yeah. the meaningless uh, friendly on Tuesday last I Tuesday. I forgot they played. I forgot they played. Yep.
1: Oh, all right let's see moving on next adriano nominates <laughs> the calcio guys so milan post says uh what do you think in the calcio guys are like <laughs> 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 that was a terrible jersey that's a terrible jersey
0: oh my god yeah please don't bring that out again milan uh, please please yeah, don't yeah. <laughs> okay so fun. At Saturnian13, uh, good friend, good uh, contributor to Who Won Calcio Twitter. Uh, <laughs> Joaquin Correa, when you order it, it's Joaquin Correa. When it arrives, it's Uncle Sharma. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> Nothing like a good dig at fellow Calcio Twitter people. Yep. We yep. always like that.
1: Oh, all right. Prayers up to Delix. Hope he recovers from this soon. It's the uh, phantom elbow hurt around the world. Oh, fingers, sorry. it <laughs> <He> dies.
0: <laughs> Prayer to, you know, to if the licks. finger If a fingernail is, is well manicured and it's sharp enough and hits yeah. you in the right spot, oh, you yeah. know, I suppose.
1: Yeah, yeah. can't
0: get, you know. <laughs> but in uh, reality, that's kind of bush. Yeah. Okay, so uh, moving on, we have at... We have Poppy Owen 9. I'm not going to read his whole handle. Uh, meet on screenyard checking his front pocket after getting home. It's a picture of Vlaovic. Yeah, we need to be stronger than this. Like we said, I don't think he had Vlaovic in his back pocket in this game. But yeah, It's yeah. for what it is. Yeah.
1: We'll gladly call it out when it has to, but it wasn't in this one. So, uh, Let's see. Uh, so this one comes from uh, Jack Frost, and it says... Uh,
0: Will Smith slapping the
1: lid in the face.
0: (laughs) Where is that one?
1: At Jack Frost Inter tweets that.
0: I didn't see this one.
1: David Amoyal says, well played.
0: Oh, it's because I blocked David Amoyal, Uh, so I can't read it. So I'll look at what you got. Let me see that again.
1: All right, let me uh, do that one more time. It's Will Smith walking up to Delict, slaps, and he falls on the ground.
0: <laughs> nice. That's actually pretty good.
1: Yeah. Uh, another you one that, Another one you missed um, for the same reason. Uh, it's Amoyal saying, this is such a UV-like win for Inter that Dybala should just follow Inzaghi to his locker room. Like, George Casanza showed up at his job. He quit. Like, nothing happened. All right. All right. The second one was okay. better.
0: That's fine. All right. Okay, so Pettersenich, uh, uh, you know some last-minute nominees that I threw in there. Uh, Bologna managing a clean sheet tonight in reference to the uh, draw against <laughs> Milan. It's punch basically what happened. They took every possible punch, yeah, that they could from Milan. So <laughs> that's that's creative.
1: I, I'm I'm good with that. All right, another one. Uh, Sansone uh, Sansoni says Juventini think there's some massive club. When in reality, people even consider size like Arsenal to be bigger. <laughs>
0: Sorry, Bobby. <laughs> oh, and our uh, friend Don Totti, uh, past season winner at fan of no underscore one. He changes his handle all the time. De yep. is an embarrassment to Dutch football heritage. So, <laughs> of course he is. I, I uh, It's finally Teo for me. Uh, where are we? Um, which one are you going with? finally tail
1: finally tail which one is that i don't remember oh yeah the uh the uh, the, uh,
0: the repeat ba- I agree. basically will smith slapping uh, chris rock on repeat
1: yes 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 i agree with that
0: all right so uh at finally tail if you're listening congratulations you are this week's winner of who won Show twitter uh so i will uh announce that right now on the twitter machine richard if there's anything that you want to uh say to the people while i do that
1: well it seems like the chat agrees with you that the champions league serial slapping is the winner uh so there you go uh but yeah uh nothing really to plug uh it's been uh we're getting back here for the home stretch last what six games of the season or something like that Um, a lot to play for on top of the table mid table bottom of the table um yeah we're gonna try to have some guests here in the coming weeks uh Kind of took off the international break like we normally do. Maybe we have to change it up, Frank, because it seems like lately when we we take off the azuri it doesn't work anymore. So we might have to fix that. But we're gonna have we gotta, to do
0: we're gonna have to do podcast now when the Adzuti play so They can start winning yeah, again.
1: Yeah, yeah. But uh, so yeah, nothing to plug. Just you know, shout out to all the all those uh, Calcio heads that make the great Serie Twitter. Or couch or content that you say, you know a couple of guys in the, in the chat tonight we got the couch you guys in here, and uh, obviously yep. Inter wide and stuff like that, so definitely give all of them a follow. They're awesome just you know one community here, so uh that that's all I'm gonna you know for them.
0: No no, and I agree with you. there is so many people out there that are doing great work um that deserve a lot more love than they're getting and uh you know i'll also add on uh the calcio connection guys jerry and alex um you know great people milan weekly podcast Raf and raff rant um uh you know inter you mentioned uh the italian football podcast great stuff from them um you know so there's there's plenty of stuff out there uh we we we're, we're appreciative that you listen to us but uh give them a listen as well if uh you want to get a, if you, if you can't get enough of the Calcio content because uh they're great guys and they uh they deserve it as well so
1: And if you don't like Calcio no I'm just kidding I'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah yeah if yeah you, we we called you out on that when you said that that was that was when we were very very early in our uh
1: in our infancy in our
0: infancy that's ba- back when we didn't know how to talk yeah. We still don't know how to talk. <laughs> Very good point. Very good point. So, <laughs> oh well, with that, we'll put a bow on this edition of City of Sit Down, Richard. Anything else you got?
1: No. Uh, as always, you can follow me at r underscore k h a r m a n. And yeah, let's uh, see if we can finish out this season strong.
0: All if right. You all right. Uh I am at FTC underscore 21. SETIOS Sit Down. We have our own channel on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. Uh we also can be found on Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever there is uh podcasts, there is Sedia sit down. At City, I Sit Down on Twitter or Instagram, uh check us out there, give us a follow, uh, drop any comments on what you see, hashtag who couch show twitter uh for any nominations uh keep it clean keep it fun keep it banter like that's uh, uh that's how it will get read anything that's uh, offensive to us we're just not going to read it um and then we're also uh on twitter from time to time so um yeah until next week uh we'll be back with another podcast i think we'll be back in our usual sunday night spot fingers crossed Fingers crossed. Okay. Just hang in there with us. A lot of, a lot of moving parts, a lot of crazy things going on with schedules and all that other fun stuff. Um, but we will be back next week. We will, uh, just look for us on Twitter. We'll have the announcement of when we're back on the air chat, all of you guys chiming in. Thank you so much, uh, for being a part of this. And, uh, let's, uh, see what happens in the following weekend. We'll have more to discuss as we get to the business end. Uh, seven match games left as all the, all the oxen free says, and, here we go, down the stretch we come. Uh so for Richard, I'm Frank and as always tell your paisans about us. Ciao.